Welcome to Sheer Jashub, a Bible study broadcast brought to you by the Fellowship of Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. This is Patty Scalzo. Today, my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, will be continuing the study on heavenly authority. At the end of the program, I will be giving an address where you will be able to write to us. But for now, let's rejoin Pastor Greg as he continues his Sunday message. Now, last time, we studied the superiority and the excellence of the New Covenant over the Old Covenant. That the New Covenant was more glorious, eternal, not temporary, based on better promises and a better hope. That the New Covenant is the reality and not the shadow. That it's unchangeable, able to perfect forever. A more excellent ministry conducted in the freedom and the liberty of the Holy Spirit. Those are all adjectives from Hebrews. And yet we saw in Christian history that there's often been a push to return to a pseudo-Levitical system with ceremonies, formulations, liturgies, temple practices, and even a separated priesthood. And we said last time that it was in part a deception of the enemy. Satan loves when the gospel message is lost and the church loses sight of the better way in the freedom and the liberty of the Holy Spirit. Partly it happens in church history because of man's love of rituals. Traditions just tend to build up until they're devoid, they're empty of any of the Holy Spirit, any meaning. For some people, because they have an awareness of their sins and they have an ignorance, an ignorance of the gospel, they see the layers placed by the system, by this pseudo-legal system between them and God as necessary as they try to work their way back to God and as they try to deal with the gulf that they understand is there because of their sins which has been taken away in Christ Jesus. Others just love a form of godliness and all the rituals and all the busyness helps to booster their false sense of goodness. Look at me, I'm a good person, I've done this ritual, I've done that observance without any knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And it's an amazing thing that in the church the gospel is such a simple thing to preach, how often it's not preached because of ceremonies, rituals, the pseudo-Levitical system that comes in and has come in in traditional churches. The older the churches, the more prone they are to trying to go back to a form of Leviticus and also in Christian cults. Many times in Christian cults they'll have temple practices, temple books, temple doctrines, all trying to mimic Leviticus, which we saw that old system was a shadow of the new. We have a better promise, a better hope, and we are to worship Christ in spirit and in truth. And this impacts the whole question of authority, because authority is built up based on, in some churches, this type of quasi-pseudo-legal Levitical system, many times with a separated priesthood. 
for those who would want to go back under some form of religious legal system, consider the following. In John chapter 1 and verse 16, speaking of Jesus Messiah, and of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So the law was given through Moses. But the fullness of revelation, grace, God's mercy, and truth, the fullness of truth comes through Jesus Christ. That is the superiority of the new contract of the gospel. And really no one has ever seen the Father. Moses could not look upon the face of God. Only Jesus Christ, who was one with God in the presence of the Father from the very beginning, only he could show us the full revelation and he has declared him to us and we receive grace upon grace, gift upon gift. In Matthew chapter 15 and verse 1, then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, why do your disciples transgress, look at this, the traditions of the elders? That's what they were concerned with the traditions of the elders, for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. You got to be careful of this when the focus is on the traditions of the elders, the traditions that were handed down. If they're of the elders and not of God, then they're of men. Be careful not to be led astray. Certainly some could say this to us. Why don't you follow the traditions of the elders, meaning some Christian sect? We do things this way, or we've been told for centuries to do things that way. Why do you go away from those traditions and, and have church the way you have church and study the Bible the way you study the Bible? Why don't you have a liturgical system? Why don't you have a system of priests and hierarchies and bishops? Those are the traditions of elders. And it's very easy to be caught in the trappings. And the same was back in Jesus' day. You know, there was a, the law that God gave to Moses, which was true, it was applicable, could not make perfect, but pointed to Messiah. But the elders would take, and they built up upon that, the religious leaders an oral law and it was handed down by the elders later it would be codified much of it in what we know as the Mishnah and this hand washing prior to eating was part of it now that's not really an Old Testament commandment to wash your hands before eating we saw the ordinances for Aaron and his sons as they ministered at the tabernacle how they were supposed to wash and it had spiritual significance going on to baptism and it had a practical physical reality obviously they were handling food and so you could take that and extract the idea of it being good to wash before eating and it is 
but they built a whole oral tradition and it became a matter of righteousness. It was a mark of righteousness whether a person washed their hands or not. They would magnify in great length in the oral tradition and they would use minute regulations concerning things that they would build up this code that after a while there would be nothing of the Holy Spirit. And the code, the tradition of the elders, would then replace the heart of God, what God meant in the legitimate scriptures that he had given them. That's the problem with rituals. That's the problem with traditions. They tend to detract from the true spiritual attitudes that display righteousness. I'm a good person. Look at me. I wash my hands before I eat. Washing your hands before you eat can be wise. does not necessarily show you're such a good person. The tradition of the elders. And so they confront Jesus with the same thing. Look at your disciples. Now remember, they're in a situation where they've given up everything to preach the gospel. And perhaps they don't have all the benefits of the washing lavers that they have in the temple area. And this is what they have to pick on based upon their tradition, based upon their code. Your disciples do not wash their hands when they eat bread. What did Jesus answer them in verse 3? He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandments of God because of your tradition? You're accusing them of breaking the traditions of the elders, but by your traditions... What do you do? You transgress the commandment of God. All those traditions, all those layers, all those rituals, all that codifying of men's ideas, sometimes based on some scriptural reality, but blown up with all the minutiae, all it does is take away from the pure commandments of God. It makes such a forest that the individual can't see God anymore. The simplicity of the gospel, the New Testament, can easily be obscured if you lay enough trees, enough layers between the gospel and the person that all they see are the ceremonies, the rituals, the observances, the holidays, the things they have to perform, the busy work, and they never hear about Jesus Christ. And so the Lord says to those who are like that in his days, you transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition. Tradition can be dangerous. And he gives them an example. He says in verse 4, For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. And that's very clear. And the first part of that, obviously, is for the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. You know, God pronounced it with his own voice on Mount Sinai. Very important, the foundation on which everything was made in the law. Honor your father and mother. You can't get much simpler than that. And then also the Lord says, he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. So that's how much God hated the fact of people turning against their parents. But you say, that's what God says. But then he says to these religious leaders, but you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Your tradition takes that which is rightly from God, your religious tradition, 
and makes it of no effect. Now that word there when it says, what you might have received from me is a gift to God. That word for gift to God is Corbin. And it was an offering. Um, it was a word applied to a gift or offering in the temple, which declared that gift dedicated to God in a very special sense and could not be withdrawn, could not be taken back. They used the system of offerings, uh, which they built up, to nullify the spirit of that commandment on Sinai. And they placed the emphasis not on what it says at Sinai about honoring your parents, but their own system of money. Money became a priority over the commandment of God because money was involved in their tradition to make sure money came in. Now the idea of offerings, the tradition comes off obviously the Levitical system. All that we studied about the offerings, the provisions, the giving, there is in the Levitical system the idea of dedicated offerings, things that are dedicated to the temple. And it's clear that this Corbin, this idea of an offering that cannot be withdrawn or taken back, this tradition comes off the true scriptures of Leviticus, but God never meant for people to deny the basic support of those that are their loved ones, those they're responsible for. If you would like to write to us, or you feel led of the Lord to help support our church's outreach, our address is Shir Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. And if you will be in the Madison, Connecticut area, Shir Jashub Christian Tabernacle's Sunday service is at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Memorial Town Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison. The exit off I-95 is exit 61. Please join us for our next broadcast of Shir Jashub.